the normal text that you see up there on Sunday mornings is available to you if, and it's a big if, we have the time to field questions. There may be time, there might not be time. I'm not being facetious when I say that, but we're, we're pretty constrained here tonight. But if we have time, we'll take some questions and you can text them in as we go. I want to give a big shout out to uh, the guys who made it to the men's uh, retreat. We had a fantastic time over the weekend. Uh, Adam Beecher was uh, one of our keynote speakers, and he is actually our church planter, designated church planter. Did a fantastic job. And our own Brad Posley just knocked it out of the park yesterday. Best message I've ever heard him preach. Fantastic. And for those of you who didn't get to hear him, it's up. It's already up and going, so you get a chance to listen to it if you'd like. And man, wasn't that a blessing to hear from our own Pastor Kurt this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Kurt. Wanna, wherever you are, you were sitting over there. You are. Thank you, Kurt. Tremendous, tremendous. Uh, personally, I was moved, obviously, and, uh, uh, and stood up for my own oldest son, only to have my youngest son put his hand on my shoulder to pray, the one that we prayed for several years ago, and I totally lost it then, but uh, good stuff. Thank you very much. Uh, today, uh, my wife and I moved by the experience of just being normal worshipers today, and it was so good to be in that, in that way. And Kurt, Curtis Johnson, didn't he do a great job of leading music today, too? What a tremendous job you did, Curtis. And um, so we, you know, we went and we went, uh, we didn't have any kids coming over, so we decided we'd go to a, uh, just a, one of our favorite restaurants, and um, we're, nor we're, we're regulars there, and they greeted us and smiled at us and told us to be a 30-minute wait. And we said, well, we got some things going. We don't have 30 minutes, so we're going to probably have to go somewhere else. You know, the implication being you might want to squeeze us in. And they smile, and they go, okay. <laughs> so I said to my wife, there's another restaurant. It was uh, relatively close by, and I've seen it around. I, uh, it didn't look like there were a lot of pe people patronizing this place. And I said, let's go there. We'll get something to eat there, and uh, maybe it'll be great. So we went there, and sure enough, there were people there. Uh, so that's always a good thing when there's people in the restaurant. <laughs> and we got in there, and, uh, and the hostess uh, tried, to ho tried to seat the people behind us instead of us. And, you know, there was a part of us going, um, we didn't say anything, but everything in us wanted to say, but they were gracious enough to kind of indicate that we were first. So she seated us, and then they served those people first. Anyway, <laughs> we were sitting there, and, and uh, the waitress took our order, and she smiled and said a few nice things, and, and we saw food coming. The food looked fantastic. It looked fantastic. I mean, I mean, my mouth was watering at the food going by us. She took her order, and 10 minutes go by, and 15, and 20 minutes go by. And then the couple that was behind us got their food. You've never had that happen to you, have you? Right by us. And then the other table got their food. Half hours gone by. And uh, I knew I was in trouble when... The cook came out of the kitchen with that look on his face like, whew, we got by that rush. And I'm looking, we're going, that, that's the cook. And people are now leaving. There's only a few of us left. And then the waitress comes out of the kitchen. She meets my eye, and she sees me, and she goes, and she turned around and went right back in the kitchen. And I looked at my wife, and I said, I, I don't think we're going to get our food. 
So I walked up and I said, uh, no, hostess said, what's, what's the problem? I said, um, well, we've been here 35 minutes and others all around, we just, oh, they said, well, I, your, your order was, uh, was, uh, went blue. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and I said, well, I, we'll just go. She goes, oh, well, we'll put it in right now. I said, we, we got we really, we to go. And so, uh, and, and uh, the lady said, we're so sorry. And my wife said, that's okay. <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. <laughs> then we went to a fast food place, and they didn't even get our order right. It was a complete <laughs> fiasco. The food going by us in that restaurant was, looked really good. I'm sure it was. But the pipeline that was supposed to get it to us, that was not working so great. Uh, many of you know I coined a phrase many years ago. Some of you have memorized it. Pastor Kurt graciously actually quoted it this morning, that God wants us to do better at what we do best. That actually has a biblical basis, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 9. Paul says, now considering brotherly, consider, uh, considering brotherly love, I need not speak to you, brethren, for you yourself are taught by God to love one another. So just let it be, Paul. He says, nevertheless, increase all the more. So in other words, you're doing great at loving one another. Now get better at it. That's where I came up with the line that God wants us to do better at what we do best. A great missionary and missiologist and historian, Peter Wagner, said that church planting uh, called it the single most effective evangelistic methodology under heaven. And I agree. There are, say, there are several basic strategies for church planting. There's the parachute uh, method. That's where you just drop the missionary and his family in there and say, go get him for Jesus, you know. And I know of a church that took 30 years to get off the ground that way. That's, I mean, some of them get off the ground great. That's one way of doing it. The house, there's the house church method. There's the multi-site method that we're more familiar with in the last uh, uh, 20 years. That's where Reverend Wonderful's image is splashed all over the place. And everybody gets to, uh, in different locations. And that's, a, that's really kind of a pejorative comment, really. I shouldn't... Uh, the truth is that is a way of, of growing the church, and God has used the multi-site method, and many people have embraced it in churches, but more and more people are, are getting away from that. They're coming back to what we have been doing, the mother church method, which is basically the method by which, uh, our method by which you, the, the, the children, you know, uh, the, the church, the mother church and its, and its children, the churches it's planted, uh, you know, determine the individual who is called, uh, they send them out to the location with a core group of committed members, and they form a church. That's what we've done in the Engage Network. Uh, the story of the Engage Network, uh, you can see it online. It's, I love telling the story because it puts me in my place. It took place, we started in 2005. This church had done a million dollar remodel here, and uh, we were tried to raise monies to build a gymnasium, and the, the offering was so pitiful. I didn't even tell the church what it was. It was so bad. And I was so uh, distraught over the whole thing because I just so much wanted the basketball court. It was such a spiritual venture. Um, and Kevin Thomas, the counseling pastor at the time, said, well, why don't we plant a church? And that was that, when he said that, it was like I had an epiphany in the moment. And uh, I just, we 
I just said, this is what God wants us to do. And I had mentored Dave Heisterkamp. We'd become a pastor. He was up in Northern Iowa. Long story short, the two of us met. We, 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 over the space of about six to eight hours, we worked up a template on our own of planting a church, a church. And that template, except for a few little flexibilities, is the one we've held to all these years, kind of proudly so, I might add. Uh, and it worked. I mean, we had a, three Ps, the, 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 the pastor, the place, and then the people. You get the pastor. He's the first link in the chain. He, he, did, he helps with the council, the, the place. And then we, have, we people it. We, that's the core group. And we get a church out of that. We give them 100% of their uh, take care of that pastor right down, to his, right down to his 401k in the first year. Cut it in half. The second year, cut it in half again to 25%. The third, then they're off on their own. And we, we did that. And in three years, and we, that's how Lakeside Fellowship began, our flagship church plant. In three years, we went from a church that planted a church to a church planting net, uh, network when Josh uh, Daggett, who I introduced Dave to, hung, hung out with him for three years, became our second church planter in Living Waters on the south side. And uh, Greg Pollock, who was evangelized right here at Sailorville Church, we got him with Josh Daggett. After three years, he became our third church planter in, at High Point Church in Altoon. And then uh, his good friend, uh, Jason Gerwell, hung out with him for three years. He became our fourth church planter, Redeemer Church, down in Winterset. So God has blessed this. And of course, we've already announced it. You know, our, our fifth church planter is Adam Beecher. He's been in this pulpit. who Lord willing, be back again. But the way we have done it, you need to know that the president of our local Bible college and seminary has begged us to write about this. That's how impressed he is with what God has done here. The Southern Baptist Mission Board, the biggest one in the nation, uh, the North American Mission Board, emailed me earlier this month. In fact, he emailed me on the day I first unpacked this to all of the elders in all five engaged churches and several leaders as well along with them. And it was a lengthy email. I'll just give you one excerpt. He says, we value what Sailorville and the Engage Network are doing in church planting. And this was their pitch in their attempt to draw us in, pull us in to the network, their network. And the point I'm making is that people, churches, and other movements are watching us. But you probably already know that, don't you? So the question is, who is us? Who is us? When I talk about us, I'm talking about the five churches going on six of the Engage Network. The Engage Network. We are a fellowship of gospel-centered churches planting gospel-centered churches. That's who we are. See if that'll roll off your tongue. Let's say it together. What is the Engage Network? A fellowship of gospel-centered churches planting gospel-centered churches. That's important because that is the essence of who we are. So why us? Admittedly, there are several God-honoring church-planting movements out there. We would be arrogant to say otherwise. Acts 29, founded by Mark Driscoll, uh, picked up and now led by Matt Chandler. Harvest Bible Fellowship, better known now as the uh, Great Commission Collective and Vertical Church Network. Again, doing some really great work. Sovereign Grace has a church planning network. Our own, uh, locally, the Cornerstone Network. And we're close to the Cornerstone Network. They're doing great work locally with their focus on college kids. Phenomenal work there. 
And, uh, and uh, of course, as I've already mentioned, the aforementioned uh, Southern Baptist uh, Church Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, doing great work. And so the question is, I'm asking the question again, why us? Why not hook our train to one of those movements? Well, the short answer is, for one reason, we're already moving. Okay, this isn't a theory. We're not theorizing about planting churches. We've been doing it for 13 years. And you can say, thank you, Jesus, right? But honestly, we did seriously, we had and have seriously thought of so doing. Especially with the Southern Baptists. They are our friends. We have great fellowship with them. Cornerstone Network is a Southern Baptist network. The uh, North American Mission Board has spent much time with us. They've met with all of our with me individually, with all of our leaders. Uh, they have held the carrot out there in front of us, and I, I, I mean that positive. They, the carrot is basically money. It's very alluring what they hold out in front of us if we would just join their movement, which is a movement, and they are planting churches and doing great things. So what makes us unique from other movements? That's the question, I think, that comes out of that. And uh, here are just three simple things. One, we have a common fellowship. Uh, we know one another. We have a history with one another. All of the individuals that are plant church planters and those who support the church planting system in the core group, we have a history. We're not, we haven't been ex, uh, you know, importing, importing individuals from outside. That's generally not been our way. We have a common fellowship. We, and this is the thing we say more than anything. We have a common DNA. We are an evangelistic, gospel-centered movement. And I say that because there, you should know that there have been a number of churches that have knocked on our door, have come through our doors, have all but begged us, and I don't want to exaggerate this, but all but begged us to let, uh, uh, to, to come in to the Engage Network. And, it's, and these are friends, these are brothers in Christ, and these are great churches, and we have friendships with them. But in many cases, they don't have our DNA. It's, they, have the, they have the doctrine, they've got the foundation stuff. Everything on paper would look the same. Does that make sense to you? But, when you, but, but in terms of seeing souls saved, baptized, joined to the church, this gospel-centeredness uh, is not, sometimes it's just not there, and so it's, it, this, our common DNA has also been the, the thing that's kept us such a close fellowship. And then, of course, a common doctrine. We have, we have Baptist roots, and we're not ashamed to say that. We have Baptist roots with an elder-led polity, and that's sort of unique because, uh, you know, Baptists, uh, generally speaking, are congregationally led. This church is formally like that. Uh, but be having Baptist roots with, uh, with an elder-led uh, Powell is unique, not utterly unique, but relatively unique, and these are some of the unique things about our movement. So after one of our meetings with the Southern Baptists uh, many months ago, and it was a serious meeting, this was a, this was a critical moment in our movement and our time, uh, our good friend Dave Heisterkamp asked the question, guys, don't we have the resource? If the issue is money, don't we have resources on our own? Haven't we raised plenty of money to build the things we've built? Is the issue for us money? And when he said that, I was struck with this thought. I wrote it down. I'll share it with you. Here's the thought. If we can inspire people to give large amounts of money to raise up buildings for our people to worship in, 
Why can't we inspire them to give large amounts of money to train men to raise up worshipers of God through planting churches? Is that a legitimate question? I think it is. This is how Peter put it. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. We offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we have four churches plus Sailorville Church in the Engaged Network soon to add a sixth. Historically, this has been, it's been beautiful. God's, there's beauty. God's clear hand has been upon us. And it's been organic. God has raised up the men who have led the next church in the midst of our churches that we currently have. That's been a good thing. So why why now? What's, what's new about the Engaged Network? Again, here's that phrase. I want you to see it again. God wants us to do better at what we do best. Do you believe that? Now, inspire me a little. Do you believe that? Because this has been a great thing. Our movement thus far has been a great thing. We never desire to be, you know, cranking out 100 churches or having goals. like. But we just, we did have sort of a goal to maybe start one every three or four years, and God has blessed us to that end. It's been a great thing. It's been a wonderful thing. But it needs to be better. It can be better. It needs to be better. Um. Someone introduced a term to me here several months ago called, and they said to me, you know, Sailorville has sort of paid the dumb tax, they called it, on church planning. I was a little offended by that. But I understood what they're saying. Because going, we were, we were at a place where we were going forward without a clear pathway to preparing the next man or men up. Ironically, it was, our, it was my son, Daniel Nemers, who... Um, was in our group, and uh, I have permission from Jason Gurl to share this with you. Daniel, being very young, we sent him down to Redeemer. Uh, but we knew he was young, and it would take several years before he, he wasn't going to be the next guy, but maybe he'd be the second guy to the next guy. We kind of talked about that, but we just didn't, it was just very vague. And so Jason Gurwell, our fourth church planner, did what came natural to him without a clear plan to train and equip Daniel. So Daniel was involved. He and his wife were involved down there, serving faithfully. But everybody got frustrated. Jason got frustrated. The elders down there got frustrated. Daniel got frustrated. And then eventually, he was snatched up by another network. Are you ready for this? With a plan. With a plan. With a pathway. With a goal. So... That's what was referred to as the dumb tax. Lesson learned. We need a clear plan and path that identifies, trains, and equips mostly men, but maybe a few women along the line in days to come. Not for pastors. Don't get, don't get scary on me here. 
as we continue in our desire to expand the kingdom of God through planting churches. So on the eve of our fifth engaged church plant, led by Lakeside Fellowship, it's become apparent that we need to do better what we do best. And here's, how do we do that? And so this is where I'm going to be giving way to Jason here in a moment. Here's how we do it. We do it through better organization. You'll hear about that in just a moment, okay? So better organization. Because that's part of our problem. It's been a, or it, we have been so organic, uh, we've kind of given way to disorganization, and we can't have that anymore. We need better initial thrust. The template we've used for the first, for the first uh, four church plants while blessed, will not do in the future. We can't have a one-size-fits-all mentality. Theoretically, we could plan in a smaller town, you know, drop one guy in there with people around. We may still do that. We're open to all those things, but if we're going to keep thinking big, uh, we, need an, uh, we need an initial thrust, which will include more than just one person. And the idea is we need to be we need to be all in on these church plants. So we're actually going to be proposing uh, in this next church plant, not one, but two, possibly three guys. And then a lot of support all the way around it. But that's what I mean by better initial thrust, which includes, it all comes back to the planning. Better budgeting. We need to passionately raise early monies to create a reservoir uh, in the engaged network uh, and then yearly budget to develop outstanding gospel-centered on fire for Jesus church planners and a support staff around them to further the kingdom of God. And finally, better oversight. Now I'm going to give this over to Jason Jackson now because uh, Jason took the history of this movement along with a recent booklet that we developed and he's put together a comprehensive leadership development initiative that will provide both a plan and a pathway to, Lord willing, more outstanding church leaders and church planters. So with that, I give it up to Jason. Uh, thanks, Pastor. Meredith and I got married in 2001, and three years before that, we met and began volunteering in a church across the road from the little Bible college where we attended. And one of the things that we recognized right away is that we uh, love people, and God has called us to not just love each other, which we fell in love with each other during that ministry, but also fell in love with ministry with people. And so it's been our joy to serve Christ in that way uh, in Pennsylvania and other places, and now here for the past three years. When, uh, when we were on our honeymoon, that was about three and a half years after we began serving in that church in a volunteer basis, while we were on our honeymoon, the, the current youth director was brought before the church, and the church was going to vote on him, and he was going to, uh, Lord willing, be the next youth pastor. And when we returned from our honeymoon, we were told, this was before the days of cell phones and all this stuff, you know, so we weren't checking Twitter on our honeymoon which, you know, is a good idea for you folks getting married today, too. Just sort of stay off the social media on your honeymoon. Listen, we all get what you're doing. We know what's going on. You don't need to know what we're doing here while you're on your honeymoon. Back to the story. 
I feel like Pastor Kurt all of a sudden. We came back from our honeymoon and uh, we were told that the vote didn't go as anybody had planned and the previous youth director was on his way out. And we loved them, we were good friends with them, we were sort of shocked, but we had agreed and committed to continue to minister and serve at that church in a volunteer way for as long as God would have us there. And so the coaching, the development, the, uh, the initiative that Meredith and I went through to train us to be the next youth director there on a volunteer basis was very, very simple. There wasn't anything like we're talking about here today. In fact, we went over to their house and the gentleman took out a black plastic milk carton and uh, gave me that carton just like this and said, here's all the overhead transparencies, which tells you what generation I'm from, and all the crumpled up receipts that we've uh, spent for the last couple years. Here's how I'm developing you. And he gave me the milk crate and turned around and said, good luck. And we became the youth director at uh, that church. And we loved it. But my development process lasted for about half a second. And we think there's a better way to do that. In fact, as Meredith and I ministered and served at that church, as other churches have found out and as we're finding out right now, we, we realize that there's a better way to develop and disciple people towards the ministry that God has for them, whether that's full-time vocational ministry or serving in the nursery or sweeping up after Coffee Cove or greeting someone at the door, there's a better way to develop people. And not just a better way, but a more biblical way. In fact, we think that Scripture speaks to this. Ephesians chapter 4, you can see it behind me. Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Here's why he gave the church, the church, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That equipping is that developing word for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this development is a church-wide development. He, Christ, gave us each other so that we might develop each other into a picture of maturity. Not perfection, but maturity. We want progress, not perfection necessarily here on earth. And then it's also a personal development. We might call this discipleship. Paul says to Timothy, in a verse that maybe we're familiar with, what you've heard from me, Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, then you, in front of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, there's that third level, Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and those faithful men are to disciple or develop other faithful men. Meredith and I began realizing that that was part of what God had begun to put a fire in our hearts and in our souls to do. And several years later, about four years ago now, Pastor Pat and I met at a restaurant in that little town in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, and he shared with me everything that was happening in the Engage Network. And he didn't talk about buildings and all the incredible facilities that the Engage Network had procured up to that point. He didn't talk about land that people were buying. He didn't talk about the Family Life Center that was in its inception stage. He talked about people that were coming to know Jesus across the network, not just at Sailorville Church, but in other churches in the Engage Network. And I listened, and he didn't even make the pitch yet for this job, and I was pulled in. Because all of a sudden, I was hearing about a church that cared more about sending capacity than seating capacity, that cared more about making more people more like Jesus than building bigger and better buildings all over America. And I was compelled by that, drawn into that, and schnookered into coming out here three years ago. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and what we love about this church and the network that God has allowed this church to be a part of is 
that it's a network that is led by faithful men who are training faithful men. It's a network that is led by men and women who walk by faith. And so when we start talking about plans, some of you get a little bit nervous because you're faith people. And I want to applaud that. And I want to say we're not talking about stopping that kind of walking by faith sort of lifestyle. But what I am saying is that we plan everything. Last week, I planned when I was going to mow the grass by looking at the weather. Okay, you plan for your 401k. You plan what TV uh, channel you're going to watch because you know where your football team is going to play. You plan when you're going to go to the game. You plan what you're having for dinner. Marilyn, I would love to have your hamburger helper recipe. (laughs) We plan everything. But when it comes to developing people for ministry or for what God has called them to do, sometimes we think it's going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by accident all the time. And if we want to make more people more like Jesus, we have to have a faith-filled plan. And so that's what we're proposing here this evening, the beginnings of it, at least, in a network of churches, gospel-centered churches, not just churches, but gospel-centered churches who want to plant gospel-centered churches as God has already led us to do. And so this is what we're calling this initiative, a leadership development program. And very simply, it's an all-church, and that's everybody, strategy of identifying, equipping, and then ultimately sending disciples into primarily vocational ministry. That's full-time ministry service, especially in the area of church planting. If we want to continue being a gospel-centered church movement that continues to plant gospel-centered churches, we need gospel-centered church planters. That makes sense, right? Where are they coming from? Well, there's two options. You can either buy them from other places, or you can build them from within. And we don't have a problem with bringing people in from the outside, but, but we have a common DNA. We have a common fellowship. And my goodness, it's gone beyond the napkin. We, we need a plan for this. And we believe moving people from our ministries, Sailorville Church and Lakeside and High Point, Redeemer, and Southside with Living Waters, moving people from our ministries to the ministry is what God is placing in our hearts right now. Now, what does that look like? It looks like the word the pastor used, a pipeline. A pipeline is very simply a way to get something from some place to another place, making maybe several stops along the way. And that's what this is, a leadership pipeline. It's a system, ultimately. Now, some of you, again, this, this, you've got bugs crawling all over you right now because you're not systems people. We need some kind of system. The church is a system. We get that, right? We need a system that provides a flexible framework, and that's a key word, flexible in that framework, for knowledge and experience and coaching. That's everything that goes into this development, and that usually occurs before individuals are sent into vocational ministry. And folks, in my experience, the church has allowed, or the church has given up the responsibility for those three things, knowledge, experience, and coaching, given up the responsibility for that part of the development process to training institutions like Bible colleges, like mission agencies, like seminaries. They're not bad. But God said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. First of all, I, God says, I will, which that's not us, that's God. I will, it's going to happen. I will build, develop, I will continue to grow my church. This is God's church, one of them. And it's our responsibility and privilege to help individuals become who God wants them to be moving them from our ministries into the ministry. 
And this isn't unique for the church, though. This is something that uh, the corporate world has discovered years ago. In fact, I've talked to several of you over the last couple weeks and months as we've been mulling over this and planning this and thinking about this together. And several of you have said, hey, my company already has something like this, or we're just starting to develop this. Wells Fargo, John Deere, Casey's, McDonald's, my goodness, has a development program for employees. Why do they have it and we don't? The church needs something like this, and this is exciting for us, a leadership pipeline. So what does that look like? We believe that if someone wants to, is called to, is identified for ministry, uh, vocational ministry especially, that there's six sets of uh, universal or general ministry competencies that they'll exhibit. And by the way, the, the different levels of leadership, we'll get to that in a second, these competencies are exhibited on every single one of those levels. And if you have these competencies when you're working in the twos and threes, you're going to have these same competencies if you're a worship pastor. If you have these competencies as someone that goes and shares Christ with somebody in your neighborhood using our, our, our evangelistic Bible study, you're going to exhibit those same kinds of competencies when you're on full-time staff at a church potentially one day. They're across the board, and so you can see them. They're on that handout that you have as well. Leadership and administration, communication and teaching. These are things we believe are part of these roles of vocational ministry. Equipping, team building, evangelism, and discipleship go together. Counseling and care, that's the shepherding element of these opportunities. And then, and then grounded and personal, it means something to me, and then practical, I can live it out, theology. In the year 2000, a man named Ram Sharan wrote a book, a secular book called Leadership Pipeline. And in that Leadership Pipeline, he, he, um, he explained five levels of corporate leadership development. Now again, we believe this is a biblical concept that the world has recognized and we want to use the biblical concept here. These are his five levels of leadership, and we've translated them into a local church context that looks like this, local church leadership training. We believe that every single person in here has leadership opportunities and perhaps leadership potential. And these levels of leadership are not just strategic, but also attainable and, and obvious. And so lo local church leadership training moves to that local church internship level. I'll explain that in a second, which moves to what we're calling a residency, which would then develop into perhaps being on, on, a, on staff at a church plant, and then perhaps ultimately being a lead pastor or a couple planting a church in our engaged network. Let me back up through each of those very quickly. What does that first level of leadership training look like? Well, that would be available to any, any person at any one of our engaged uh, network churches that would say, I, I, believe, I believe God wants me in general ministry leadership. I'm a greeter. I'm a children's church teacher. I'm a shine worker. I'm a youth worker. I'm a cell group leader. God wants me to know more about being a leader, which, which probably is most of us in this room, right? We'd all say, God wants me to know more. So what if instead of just saying, okay, be warmed and filled, here's a couple books, go to it. What if we started to develop across our network of churches, at each individual church, a leadership training ministry that met once a month, or perhaps met for several weeks in a row, and then took a month off, and then met again for several weeks in a row, to develop these universal ministry leadership competencies that we showed you a second ago. 
we believe that's something that we need to do here at Sailorville. We might have done something like that in the past, and, and we think that's a really great idea at that base level of leadership training to gather everyone that says, I, I, I want to be a part of that, and to train biblical leadership competencies. It's organized, hosted at each local church, and there's no pay to it, so sorry about that. Once someone's in that step, the next logical question is, are you interested in some kind of vocational ministry leadership? And if the answer to that is yes, then we would transition into this level, a local church internship. And this is for men and women who now are interested in vocational ministry leadership, not just being a better dad or a better employer or a better mom, but now I believe God may have called me into some kind of vocational ministry leadership. Not necessarily church planting yet, but some sort of ministry leadership, high school seniors and older, and it's organized and hosted and funded by each individual local church in our network. So, for instance, Sailorville. Right now, at the beginning of this last year, at least we had three interns. We have two and a half right now. We count Andrew Bush still as kind of a half an intern. He goes to lunch with us once a week, so we give him that. We started the year with three interns. Guess what? It worked. It's working. Andrew Bush is our full-time high school director right now. He's doing a fantastic job. Curtis was leading music this morning. He's doing an amazing job as an intern. John Nemers, oh my goodness, last week right here behind this, behind this table. You folks have seen him develop. It's an amazing deal. The internship is working, praise the Lord. And we want to expand that to other churches in our network. And then the next step there for one of our interns, perhaps, or the interns at a different church would be this. Is that individual interested in church planting? And we, we would say not everybody needs to be interested in church planting. God hasn't called you to that. So perhaps there's a different role at a local church for you. But if you want to be considered as one of the church planters, this would be the next step for you, that engaged network residency. My goodness, we're really excited about this. This narrows the focus now to men who, who are interested in church planting ministry. I, I want to be part of a staff of a church plant, someone would say. And these are college seniors or older, and, and this now becomes a network um, initiative. Not just local church, but now we're expanding this to, we, we want to take, take interns or men, men that have been on staff at churches, or perhaps even men from the outside that are qualified, and say, we want to put you into this residency uh, level now, where you're going to spend part-time, part of your time at your host church, for instance, if we had one here at Sailorville, we might have a part-time resident here at Sailorville, and then that individual would spend the other part of his time at a church plant, or perhaps even several of our church plants. Now, what does that give us? That gives us a half-time person that is pouring into this church, leading ministries right here at this church, perhaps even preaching and teaching or leading major ministries. And then it also gives our church plants free help. We're, we're, we're sending someone to those church plants to help them do what they do best. And it helps that individual with the training and the coaching and the experience that they need that we don't want to uh, cut them off from before we send them out into ministry. This is part of the plan that we don't really have yet. We haven't been doing this, but we want to. And there are some really cool opportunities for this to happen in the near future. We're very, very excited about it. This is network-wide. Someone at the end or in the middle of that residency, which who knows how long that would last, a year, perhaps two years, we would ask them as we evaluate constantly with them and the staff of their church and the church plants that they've been involved in, are they identified now as, as being on staff? Could they be on staff at a church plant? That would be the next level. 
You can see that there. And ultimately, they would be trained, and they would be given experience, and they would be given knowledge, and they would be given coaching by that church plant staff. Maybe this would be a second guy, a worship pastor, an admin guy, a discipleship, a children's pastor, something like that at one of our church plants. Can you imagine the value that someone like that would bring that's perhaps even gone all the way up through all, all three levels before this and now is on staff at a church plant? That'd be amazing. That'd be huge for our church planters. And then to look at that individual eventually and to say, hey, are you, are you interested and, and have we identified you? And as we've watched you progress through this pipeline and evaluated you, are you ready now to be a church plant lead pastor? Now, this is not everybody, and, and it's okay to jump off at one of these levels. That's all right. It's flexible. And by the way, it may be okay to skip one of these levels. That's all right, too. It's a flexible framework. But perhaps someone looks at us and says, I've been a second guy at a church plant now for two or three years, and I've loved it, but God still has that burning desire in my heart, in my life, to plant a church. Can I do that? And we would go to that individual and say, yes or no. Lord willing, we'd be able to say yes, and, and then that would be funded. That would be hosted by that church plant, and they'd go off, and the movement, the network would continue. And then the next step for them Well, that individual would just begin and continue to pour back into the pipeline at all those levels. Being a cheerleader, being a developer, being an encouragement, being a visionary. In our movement and in our local churches. I want to encourage you, Sailorville Church, I'm, I'm excited about this. But the Engage Network is one of the reasons why, why I'm here today. Why my wife and I are here. The Engage Network, whether you know a lot about it or not, is one of the reasons why God has you here today. And we believe that God may have in this room, and in rooms all around the Des Moines metro tonight at our other church plants, burning passions in some of your hearts and souls to be developed into men and women who who move from volunteering in ministry into vocational ministry, who move from our ministry here, Sailorville Church, into the ministry of vocational ministry. Oh my goodness, we're so excited about it. Would you pray to that end? Would you pray that God would continue to give us wisdom? And would you be involved in it? We're excited about the things that are coming down the pipe and uh, continue, continue to pray for us as a church and for us as a network. Okay, Pastor, did I leave 30 seconds for questions? Yeah, well, uh, 25. Okay. Uh, so thank you, Jason. Um, and I know that your wheels are turning. I hope you're excited about this. I, I, you have to know that every single pastor, every single elder is on board with this. Our deacons are on board with this. There's a general level of excitement here uh, as we go for it. I know you have a lot of questions, but, and we're going to answer them. You can text them in. Uh, we have a business me- meeting uh, uh, What's, what's the business meeting? What's the date on that? October 28th. October 28th. And uh, so we will answer these questions at that business meeting best we know how. And uh, I'm sure you'll have lots of them. But I want you to write down, is it November 18th? Is that our harvest offering day? November 18th. We're going to take up a harvest offering in order to build up a... Um, a reservoir for the engaged network. This will be all the churches uh, primarily given over to the residency uh, program and on up. Okay, we'll, as Jason, I think you mentioned it, but the internships are all each church individually uh, uh, 
working those in, uh, internships, but uh, we're going to take up an offering for that. We ask you to seriously think about this. We want a great offering because we want to be able to have a, a, a large reservoir that we can begin to also supplement by way of our budgeting. All the churches are going to be involved in this budgeting process. They're all in on this. Uh, and, uh, and truthfully, I just want you to know I am, we are collectively super grateful for Jason Jackson. What he just summarized for you is a 57-page book that he put together. It's very impressive, and uh, he'd probably make it available to you. We're way over time, and I apologize. May I pray? And then we'll let you go, okay? God, thank you so very, very much uh, for this night where we, we were exhorted, Lord, to pursue the happiness that comes from you as we glorify you in our lives, give you great glory, and live for that glory. And thank you, Lord, for the way in which you have placed your hand upon Sailorville Church, the Engage Network, and really a network of over 3,000 people worshiping you now, Lord. Souls coming to Christ, getting baptized. It's a wonderful thing. And a new church plant. And we're, ready, we're going to announce that new church plant here, Lord, uh, at the end of next month. We're super excited about that, too. Uh, but God, we want to bless your name. And we know your word tells us that we make the plans, you direct the steps. So direct our steps in this process. And may our, our hearts, our minds, our hearts, and our, even our finances be wrapped around this for your glory as we... Uh, Look toward what you're going to do in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for your attention. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.